welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Clap. Check us out on Twitter at BK Blue Guys. Check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Almighty Baller Network, and NetsDaily.com. Brian. Mike, take it from the top. It was flat. Flat as could be. Brian, welcome back. Hey. Uh, welcome thanks. back. Thanks uh, for having me, Mike. Um, special pod today. This is our, I guess, our not really our trade deadline pod, but this is the pre pre trade trade deadline pod. We have on Yahoo's Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant GM, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Another big get for us. <laughs> We're on a freaking roll, baby. You really don't mind uh, tuning your own horn, do you? <laughs> I th- I feel like after. So President Trump has showed us the way. You have uh, to talk about yourself. No one's going to be talking about you if you're not talking about that's yourself. So true. Um, that's so true. So that's my new motto. And I definitely won't talk about you for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the pod today. So we'll have him on a little bit later today. Before that, we'll talk a little Nets action. Wow. Um, I'm looking at the uh, you've got the you've got the game recap up. This is the this from is the way. This is my notes. The Bucks cat. The Bucks game last night, and he's got that. Um, so there's like a side story that they were following with that tennis, the tennis. Um, Pro, who and she brought a date. Who I want to say whose name is Eugenie Bouchard, but it's probably not it. Uh, anyways, Eugenie. the the dude, the dude was pretty impressive, to be honest with you. Under the, could you imagine how nervous you'd be under that kind of scrutiny? I think something can happen here between. So if you don't know I'm the story, very impressed with his composure. It was well, you may know the story a little bit better than me, but like she made, I don't know, some kind of Twitter bet with someone. Yeah, that essentially like. If Atlanta, she said Atlanta was going to win the Super Bowl, and someone said, no, the Patriots are, and she said, okay, I'll go on a date with you, and she ended up going on a date with this guy to the Bucks nets game, Yeah, which was last night. No, he was keeping it. He was keeping it, although I'll, I'll say it was maybe a little too cool for anything real to, to materialize. It's kind of a little bit too much of a cool breeze if you catch my drift. Oh, why do you say that? I don't know. You know, you, gotta, you have to play that card very carefully. You have to give some. You can't just be cool breezing it the whole way through, I think Mike. you got to be cool breeze for this type of circumstance because you don't want to be eager fan because that that is like um you're just going straight down the hill at that point once you show one second of eager fan happy to be here yeah not feeling good you can't show eagerness yeah well the good news was they went to a decent game you know that could have could have gotten real awkward if they go to like a 40 game 40 point blowout and i had this feeling about this and so okay so we're watching the game you know i'm on i'm on our twitter i'm seeing everyone you know be happy about mm. the nets Certainly can be happy. And that just grinds your gear. You can't have that. <laughs> no, I'm okay. This is what I want to say. People are happy about this team, and as am I, but we're also happy about them because they do play offense. And offense is a happy, it's a positive thing. You're creating something. Yeah. And again, with this team, we can be happy because Spencer Dinwiddie was amazing. Yeah. And he was creating offense. But the problem is, and the problem has been, that this team cannot play any defense. And every freaking timeout, the net, let's say the Nets would score, bring it within two, get it close, timeout, everyone's feeling good, and then immediately the Bucks would come down and make a big play. And it was easy for them. It was too easy. And it's like... Let me ask you something. Yeah, please do. Do you think... First of all, let me just ask you this. This has been something I've, I've been meaning to talk to you about for a while. Oh, no. Do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, your body. No, Not in front of <laughs> my body. You uh, is telling me. Okay. So we have to. My uh, body. Rock, God, Mike, I'm trying to get the point out. It's telling me. <laughs> Ronde Alice Jefferson, does he pass the eye test at yes. the four spot? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do That's think so future. as well. That's pretty great. That's his future. I mean, if you're in your top three positive developments of the year, that's number two. 
yeah. on the top three That's list. a big one. I And so here's my one qualm with it, though, is it means the pairing of, of Karis LeVert and him, it's a stagger. They don't see as much time on the floor together, which you can tell they just really feed off of each other. I mean, not that it was like getting as tons of wins or anything, but it was at least, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking through, we're, we're just trying to sift through the positive stuff. That was a nice like relationship. That was <laughs> the Le- the Levert Monday Hall. Not that it was just, you know it was a, a relationship with a utilitarian the, purpose. Yeah, uh, you know, not just because I like you know peace and love and harmony, which I do. But and I do think it's interesting that so that like uh, Atkinson did this like all rookies lineup like for two games or something, and there's still not like just all like we're just all young dudes. They're just all being thrown out there, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the lineup for the whole game. You're, I mean, the Rodney Hollis Jefferson thing is he's been playing the best basketball of his career. Yeah. He, you know, so I was thinking about, we were, you and I have been talking about trying to get a Nets player on the pod. Mm-hmm. We have this email that we've drafted. It's, it's beautifully drafted. We've, we've really uh, scrutinized it, sculpted it perfectly. Yeah. You yeah. really did some nice touches as your publisher. Mike, what, where would I be with a, with a, a guy building a skeleton out like, like you did? Um, Hell of a skeleton. Thank you. And so we wrote this beautiful email and we're going to send it to Nets PR. So if you're listening, we're gonna send you oh, an email. We have our unofficial uh, producer guy on on uh, his his, his handle TM. What is his name? Oh, oh, I thought you meant net income. Oh, well, no, I mean he's but, executive producer of this podcast. But the dude on Twitter is gunning for Kenyon Martin so hard. Okay, I so that's that. another thing we want, um, and I think that can happen because he's part of that as as TM, our unofficial official associate producer. Yeah, says he's part of that big three Ice Cube. Uh, NBA veterans like league, there's a real shot that we can get Kenny and Martin, right? Because I think the sure. pitch email is perfect. Like, you're part of this new league. Um, we are Kenyon's fan base. We are the direct voice of Kenyon's fa- number yeah. one. That's finally cast on the you know Come iTunes ch- charts and the number one team of Kenyon Martin, despite everything. So we can get him, but we want to get a Nets player on. And looping back here, I thought about Rondé Hollis Jefferson when I was thinking about if we were to interview him, if we could get him on the pod. The thing I would say to him is, is Rondé. If you want to make money in the league, all I would think about is rebounding. And that's exactly what he's doing. I Literally, he's only thinking about that. This is another one of those guys I would, I'd want to talk very little about basketball with. Maybe we just pull out some instruments, uh, see what <laughs> see what a jam sesh comes to bear. You know, What instrument are you pulling out? Uh, I know he, he uh, plays around the piano a little bit. I can do guitar and drums, Mike, so I'm a bit of a polymath. Uh, what I, do you play? You play I was march- triangle? I was yeah. marching cymbals. <laughs> marching cymbals. I was I marching cymbals. And uh, triangle and woodblock. Those were my three. And timpani, timpani yeah. because I knew how to read notes. That was the four instruments that I was nice. really good at. Nice. Um, I see you as also kind of a trombone guy. I don't know why. No. Yeah. No, don't you dare yeah. ever call me a Fair trombone enough. guy anyways, again. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to do that, though. We could also talk about basketball. I guess, um, I guess we have to at some point. I really do mean that. So I want to be positive about this team, and we have been positive. I'm just saying uh, last night the Bucks game was a perfect example of it looks it it feels closer than it is, but the fact is they gave up one twenty nine to the Bucks without Jabari Parker, and the reason why is that they just can't they are in they are unable to play defense. They don't have the dudes to play defense. So like Rondé, Rondé's fun at the four, but he really can't play defensive four. Like in terms of like against he can't switch on to Antetokounmpo and like make him yeah, miss yeah. a shot. Yeah, you got to be very crafty. You got to do a lot of interesting stuff. You got to play those passing lanes incredibly hard. Um, yeah, so it's like an incomplete picture, but it's obviously like the best application of of that guy. Furthermore, I think we were talking about this a little bit the other day. There is an interesting kind of conundrum here with Kenny Atkinson and his. So I think 
I based on you know I do a little internet research, customer testing, um, see what people are thinking out there in the, in the in the web, right. and there's a small contingent of uh, contingency of people that are starting to turn on Kenny Atkinson. You feel it. There's a there, he's been you know half a year or whatever, you know, three quarters of a season, starting to take place, and what I you know so we talked a little bit about the issues with Kenny Atkinson. So first of all, there he has a knack for certain things that he's not able to exploit quite yet. I think that's the the general yeah. like can, that's the general thought process that we had. So I was watching specifically there was this one play at the end of a I think it was the third quarter or something and this is maybe 2 weeks ago and he drew up a play where um Justin Hamilton was going to get the ball on the uh strong side uh low post and then shoot a like weird kind of uh baby left hook but what it's actually supposed to do is he draws in uh trevor booker's defender he's kind of lingering close to the baseline and as soon as that guy cuts over to, to double justin hamilton trevor goes back door and goes for an alley pass the problem is justin hamilton reams it off the front of the rim and it looks like a missed hook shot versus the <laughs> law pass that it's actually it's it's disguised it's a hook shot that's it's it's a lot pass disguised as a hook shot that looked more like a hook shot because it hit the rim and not the guy's hands so, really clever play, smart use of the players because Justin Hamilton, everyone kind of knows his, you know, strength and weight and weight weaknesses. In this case, you would want to double him in that position. Makes sense on paper. The actual application of it doesn't didn't materialize, but but it's a very smart line of thinking. So, he's he's obviously playing this up-tempo game, this modern version of basketball, and I find that there's a little bit of dissonance. He's got Maybe he's just totally well-rounded and and he can play both sides of the ball. I don't know. I'm not saying it's one or the other necessarily. Right. They're not mutually exclusive. But there is a version of his skill set as a coach that could be a half court play a, a you know run a whole play for the first you know 15 seconds of the clock and then and uh, and I think that could also be a version of of success for him. And I think and we've seen it multiple times throughout the year of him play designing or whoever's designing his plays out of you know inbounds plays are all beautiful. Um, the one thing I would like to assess more as we go on is, is Atkinson making this team play this style of basketball where they shoot a ton of threes, they play with a really big pace because he believes that is the right way to play. Right. And he will never play any other way. Like basically is he, is he coaching his style? Is he a coach that is going to adapt to his talent? Because it's tough to say, is he a coach that could adapt to his talent? Because he doesn't have talent to yeah, adapt exactly. to. exactly. Like, there's no... There, I don't see a way that you would play otherwise than what they're doing. Like, I don't right. fundamentally have an issue with that at this point. I think it's the right It's the right way to play. It's going to attract people to come to your team. I don't think playing a way that, like, Chicago... Or not Chicago. Charlotte plays yeah. under Clifford. They, they don't really play an appealing style of basketball. It is effective, but it's not appealing. I think when you're this bad... I don't hate that you're not playing to your talent, but yeah. I do think there's an element of couldn't they be doing things a little bit like we talked about defensively. It was early in the year when this was happening, but when they were like mm-hmm. they were blitzing screens and they were going crazy and making Brooke Lopez like guard outside the three point line, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. For Brooke's ability. Um, I would love to talk to Kenny Atkinson and see is he just coaching this way because he feels like that's the right way to play and he doesn't believe there's any other way to play, or mm-hmm. is it you know what? We just have no talent. Let's just try to play this way. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, and outside of my like being a little butthurt about the not pairing Karras and Rondé thing, um, I don't have an issue with his rotation. I mean, how could you at this point? Like, what are you going to get upset that 
you know, Boyan Bogdanovich is taking well, Joe like, Harris's minutes, or what? I mean, and I was complaining about Dinwiddie getting minutes, and then of course he has just a huge, awesome game. And there was a moment where I was very proud of Spencer because he was hot, hot, hot. And then there was a play where it was like the last two minutes of the game. He has the ball. He's looking for a shot. He kind of drives to the foul line, and he doesn't have a shot. And guys who are normally that hot, who aren't used to being that hot, would just still shoot it, not give a crap the about Nets it. Are back. Exactly. He passed the ball. Mm. Spencer Dinwiddie made the right play, even though he was hot. Um, do you have a little bit of Dinsanity? Is that what you have? <laughs> I stole that from a guy on Twitter. I stole that. <laughs> no, sorry, I don't. Guy, sorry, guy on Twitter. I don't still, have, stealing I, your flow. I don't have Dinsanity. Um, that came in a little hot, didn't it? And it was interesting that Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't know if there's a relationship here, but uh, there's all this talk of, of in the Nets sphere of Yogi Ferrell and how, you know, he got signed by the Mavs. He had a really good week. That's a guy that was on the Nets, and now he's a two-year contract with the Mavericks. Um, Dinwiddie's the guy that basically took his spot. Does Dinwiddie feel that pressure? Did right. he feel that pressure? You know what was interesting was that um, I thought Nets fans would be more mad about the Yogi Ferrell thing. Everything I've gotten from our listeners at BK Glue Guys been tweeting at us, they don't seem to care that much. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is this is a phenomenon we're used to. This is the you suddenly <laughs> <laughs> this is the what is basketball now that I'm on the Nets phenomenon. They just you know people underperform on this team. It's a it's a curse. You know, it's that somebody put a hex on this team. No, it's not that bad. But no, it's there, not there's bad. been very few cases of somebody that gets traded to the Nets that overperforms. That overperforms. I don't think I I'm, can think of one off the top of my head. I'm racking my brain, and it's you can either perform at the level you're expected, like a Vince Carter, right. Or, or way below it. That's it. There's almost this is so hard. <laughs> There's got to be some guy who just like lit it up. Yeah, for a short period of time. I mean, like Jason Kidd. It was, but that doesn't always count, good. right? Yeah. There's like a certain like I guess I was about to say there's a certain level of goodness that is untarnishable, but Darren Williams should have been that level of goodness, what? and he no. wasn't. Yeah, I um, yeah, I can't. Um, I can't think of like a middling guy that just blew up. I think I do think under Atkinson and Marks, we're going to see that, and we're going to see sure. it happen. I mean, actually, like Booker, I think Booker deserves. He's definitely okay. He's one of the weirder cases with this team is his, that he's going to a bench player and he's better, and his stroke is looking like suddenly more competent, and, and everything about his game seems to be developing like overnight. It's kind of strange. It's so funny. We're going to talk to Bobby Marks soon, and it's like I think there's like six guys on the Nets, counting Brooke, but there's six guys on the Nets that if I'm a contender, I would want. Just as a like a bit piece, like if I can get Kilpatrick for cheap for second round pick, he's easy fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, Booker's of huge value, second unit like guy that can totally I help went, you out. I went back and watched Booker clips from his Utah days, and you can even tell like his hook shot, he doesn't follow through on anything. Like he doesn't. It's just it looks like one of those like you know offensively stunted right. people. And now it's like I don't have any like qualms about him taking a, a crazy runner in the lane or whatever, and not in handling the ball. And you know, again, it's weird because he's moved to the bench. And I think Anthony Puccio from Nets Daily shout out uh, wrote about this: is that Booker's Booker's been a better player as like, his statistically has been a better player. He's actually got an increased minutes, I think, on the bench. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know, we'll see. Um, do you have a live read to read? Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Here, hang on. Let me get it. So I'll uh, just launch right into it. So, Mike, you're familiar with Audible.com, I hope. Of course. Um, because today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. 
You get a free audiobook, download, and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash almighty. That's where you can get over 180,000 titles to choose from on your phone. That's an iPhone, Android, Kindle, MB3 player, whatever you like. Um, so for you listeners of the Glue Guys, uh, Audible is offering a free audiobook download. Um, Mike, what are you going to get? What's what's come on? There's got to be something. The there's, Old have Testament. You heard, have you, oh, the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. I actually, weirdly, this is I kind of I bought an illustrated version of it by Arkham, not not on Audible, but in life. Um, an illustrated Audible book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, next. That's the next frontier. That's meta books. Um, hashtag business idea. Hashtag marketing. Yeah, but I'm um, still I'm still making my way through Fifty Shades. Um, so I I got oh I, yeah. I saw Hamilton like a while ago. And then I got drunk immediately after, and I bought like five five American history books mm-hmm. on Kindle, and then haven't read a single one of them. So should have done that on get, Audible. Let me go see a play, get drunk, and then I'll get something. Giant on mistake. Um, you had a great idea that we should put together a reading list for Audible for uh, basketball books. So yeah. I don't know if anyone thinks that's a good idea. Tweet us if anyone wants to participate in that. We'll set up a whole little thing. I and like, then we bring the authors on. I think. Yeah. Oh my God, Mike. That's oh the goal. my god, Levert alert that one. Well, that's not hooked on. That's not hooked on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got uh, you, well, we got Bobby Marks coming up. So. Okay, yeah, so um, thank you to Audible. And that's www.audibletrial.com backslash almighty. And, uh, and it really helps out the pod and it helps out yourself. It helps out your brain. Um, but yeah, on to Bobby Marks, Mike. All right, now joining us is Bobby Marks, former assistant GM for the Nets and now NBA front office insider for the Vertical. Bobby, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, guys. How are you? Good. I mean, we just were talking, we were just talking about the Bucks game a little bit last night. And, you know, sort of through all that, I mean, we want to get into Nets stuff later on. But, you know, we saw Spencer did what he did well, and we all saw Brooke. And sort of like the first question for everyone, especially with trade deadline coming up, is Brooks value. We had Ian Eagle on two weeks ago and you know, he was saying the Nets are expecting two twos. Um, what do you think would be Brooks actual value? Not that what the Nets would want, but what's the accurate sense of value? Well, I, I think it's hard with, with Brooke <clears throat> a where his salary is right now. Um, you know, it's in the, in the low twenties. He's got, he's got another year left, which, which is a positive. It's not an expiring contract. Um, you know, we all got, uh, spoiled, like, I guess a couple years ago when Mozgov got traded from, you know, Denver to Cleveland and they were able to get, you know, two first round picks from him. And I guess that was the, the standard back then. Um, but things are a little bit different now, you know, as far as from a center standpoint, if, if Brooke was a wing, if he was six, seven or six, eight and was playing like he is right now, uh, and has been healthy in, in the past few years, then, then I certainly think you can warrant, you know, as far as from from, from multiple picks here. Um, you know, you guys have seen the last you know week here where um, 2017 picks have been moved, but they're picks in the 20s, and teams are reluctant to give up. Um, you know, one of those, you know, either it's a late lottery pick or a pick in, in the teens right now. So, and I think from from Brooklyn standpoint, I think with Sean and the group there, I think they have to figure out as far as are they looking to, uh, you know, take back an expiring contract for Brooke? Are you looking to take back a player with years? Um, what your goal is, you know, because as you guys saw, 
cap space is nice to have, but you know, when you're, when you're, when you're stuck with it, um, it's a little bit of a challenge there. And so we just saw, obviously, Ibaka was the first big move of the season. If you were to just sort of dump everyone out into free agency in terms of just straight value, who would have more value overall? Would Brooke Lopez or Serge Ibaka? Not in terms of contract, but I'm just saying, because now that we know the price for Ibaka is a quality young player and a late first-round pick, is Brooke as valuable as Serge or not as much or more? Would you say? No, I, I think he is, and I, I think the big thing with Brooke is that he's shown that he can be that he's healthy. He's been healthy the last, um, you know, three three years here, three or four years since he had that surgery in in, in 2013, and he's he's still in the, in the prime of his um, his career. He's added a different dimension this year with you know the ability to hit um, you know to hit three pointers. Uh, there's still a role for him, certainly. Uh, in the league here, the, a lot of the time when you're doing deals and making trades, it's, a lot of it's about timing. You look at the Orlando, um, the Orlando Toronto trade from this past week. You have a team in Orlando who had given up a bunch last uh, draft with Oladipo and Ilyasova and uh, the rights to Sabonis, and you took back an expiring contract in Ibaka. Then you went out and spent a lot of money in free agency, hoping that this could, team could be in a, a playoff. And then you factor that in. I think they were 20 and 35 or 20 and 36 when they made a trade, and they found the right partner in a Toronto team that had uh, had been struggling uh, four and ten in their last uh, 14 games. A uh, team that you know went from the two seed, and they were now the five seed. Um, so it was certainly the, the perfect match there. Uh, so specifically to uh, your earlier point about like Brooks' salary being, uh, you know, still still under the old uh, CBA's prices price range, and Ibaka being under the new one, um, and going to be offered like you know they traded for him under the understanding that he would have to be pitched a new contract soon. Do you think just broadly, uh, like since there is kind of a, a divide there between players on old contracts, new contracts? That uh, and also teams having a little bit more cap space to play around with. Is this generally a buyer's market or or a seller's market for for what we can expect uh, in in this trade deadline frenzy? I, I think you're going to see a, a a buyer's market for those teams that are in that six to nine range yeah. who are uh, hanging on for a playoff spot or are a game or two out. Um, you saw it with Denver. Um, this past weekend, you know, acquiring uh, Mason, you know, Plumlee, and giving up a, a first-round pick as well as, well as Nurkic. Um, I, I think you've got to pay attention to the Detroit's of the world. I don't see a team mm-hmm. like Charlotte or even Milwaukee d- doing anything. I think they might just ride it out. Th- those two teams. What does the Bulls do? What does New Orleans um, mm-hmm. teams in in, in that? respect uh sacramento is another uh team i don't think portland will do anything but i think that's where you're you're looking at um and if you're a western conference team if you are uh let's say uh uh, clippers and utah and um oklahoma city i don't know if there's a deal that gets you anywhere closer to um where golden state right now is in the East, it's a little bit different. Now you've got the you know you've got the Kevin Love injury out six weeks, which basically takes you to probably um, you know April or right when you know the playoffs are about to start. Um, you've got Boston, who's got basically all different kinds of assets. You've got Washington, who's played well. 
Um, you know, do those teams smell a little bit of blood in the water to try to, you know, either get to two uh, if you're Washington or try to try to lap them. So what will one of those two teams do? Will they risk up? You know, Washington last year you saw when they did the Marquise Morris trade. They, you know, they traded a, um, a first at the time um, and didn't make the playoffs. You know, could the same trend uh, for Ernie Grunfeld continue, uh, you know, in, in the next week here? Um, so so the, the biggest name that is – Act, well, I guess kind of actually out there would be Carmelo Anthony. And I feel like we've hit a little bit of a lull of the idea that Carmelo is going to be traded just because it seems like Boston doesn't want him. The Clippers don't want to trade any of their three guys for him. So then basically they're left with Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, and I guess other stuff, small stuff for Carmelo. Your gut reaction, Car- Carmelo stays with the Knicks most likely going into the after trade deadline, or do you think he will get moved? Well, it's funny. Every time I hear his name, I always get cold sweats. You know, and I, <laughs> I think back to 2010 and yeah. in 2011, and, and I'll, I'll jump to that in a minute. But it, I'll give you a quick story here. So, mm. you know, we spent, uh, as you guys know, you net fans, you know, we spent so long chasing him for. Um, yeah, I think it started in September, and then it ended, you know, a day or two before uh, the deadline in, in 2011. Then I think it was that Monday that he was they agreed upon in. Um, that that trade to New York, and um, about a year later, we were. I was at Chris Humphrey's wedding when he when he married uh, Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Wow! And Carmelo was standing in front of me, and I said to him, "You know, you made my life li- a living hell for <laughs> seven months and, and everything." And he got a he got a kick out of it. But I think jumping back to him, I, his number is so hard. To tra- you know, it's it's twofold. The no trade clause, where you basically dictate um, where you want to go. So you, the the pool of teams right now is so small. Um, we can basically eliminate Cleveland because you know Kevin Love is not going to be traded, and I don't think New York's going to want a package of J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert guys they've traded before and a pick in 2023. When you look at the Clippers, it's it's basically the cards are are, are right in front of you as far as what they can do, and, and they're challenged because of the hard cap. So you're looking at a Austin Rivers, a Jamal Crawford, a Wes Johnson, that combination. And, you know, they've got multiple picks going out, so they couldn't do anything until I think the earliest 2022. Boston has the assets. I mean, if they wanted to do a deal, I'm sure they'll, they'd be able to do something. But I think they're looking at this summer where they could have, you know, $30 million in room, possibly the number one pick in the draft. Um, oh. An opportunity maybe to renegotiate that Isaiah Thomas contract. So I think you're you're a little bit lukewarm there. So um, I I see him in a Nick uniform when we get to um, you know 301 on on Thursday. And I think when you get into the off season, the pool I would think would expand a little bit here from maybe three teams to five teams or six teams. And and when when a player has a no trade clause, it, you know it's it's good to kind of get away from things when when their season ends. You know either figure out what you want to do with your you know, family life, talk with your agent, and maybe a team like, um, let's say Denver, let, um, you know, who maybe let's go, goes on a run and upsets a team in a playoffs, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for them to get in, in the mix here. Maybe a team that we hadn't thought about all, all of a sudden comes in here. Well, and, and from, from Mello's perspective, it benefits him to, I mean, he's not going to wave He's not going to wave his trade clause unless if it is to, let's say Clippers or maybe Boston or somewhere else. But, you know, this Phil situation isn't the sturdiest situation in the world. You wouldn't think Dolan would make a move 
to get rid of Phil, but it could be the other way around where Phil just says, this isn't exactly where I want to be, and maybe I, I want to basically just retire and not be a part of this situation anymore. So maybe like basically just may for both parties may just say let's just wait until the summer to decide something to actually make something happen. Yeah, I think that's where I think that's where you're looking at. I think let them get through the next. You know, I don't see them as a play, and I didn't see them as a playoff team when they made all these moves. I I always thought their bench um, was a big question mark. You know, I, you know concerns over Rose Noah. Uh, I thought they were a borderline team, maybe at best, trying to, to fight in here. And now we've kind of, you know, I guess they're what are they four or five out of uh, eight right now. And I don't, I don't see a run in them. They still have got, they have got to go out west here soon. Um, so I think you kind of just take take a deep breath when you get into the off season with with what happens with management, what happens with Carmelo, um, and you know who you know who exactly is going to be your your point guard in the, in the future here. I'm just thinking about this wedding you went to. My God, I can't. What who was at your table, Bobby? <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's a good it's a good icebreaker if you're going out to dinner with another couple here. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, my gosh. Um, so I guess coming back around to we have some people that were emailing us asking you uh, questions. We got our our man uh, Ben Winters was asking about. Uh, uh, so who else on the Nets has value to a contender? He's thinking in the like Boyan Bogdanovich, Foy, Randy Foy range. Um, is, does anyone else jump off the page as someone who's like imminently tradable to to a, like and, and actually makes a difference on on one of the like the four really competitive teams? Well, Bojan's interesting, and you know he's uh, one of those older uh, rookies, or not a rookie anymore, but you know a third year player. Um, he's got an expiring, but you know I, 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 those players who are restricted free agents, you kind of put an asterisk next because a team whoever acquires has the right. Uh, the right to, to match anything. So he certainly does have appeal. All the young kids have appeal from, from what the people I've talked to, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do anything with them, but the Karis Leverts of the world, the Rondé House Jeffersons, uh, the Isaiah Whitehead, uh, you know, Sean Kilpatrick, you know, all guys who make not a lot of money, but have done a lot of good things. They've got a lot of value um, around the league and everything, but if I'm if I'm management, I'm I'm not doing anything, you know, unless a, a team's basically is going to back the, the the Brinks truck here. I'm I'm not doing anything with uh, with, with those guys. Yeah. The 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 Foys and Scolas, it will be interesting. Um, you know, the both of guys are on expiring contracts. Um, could a uh, a team a playoff team, uh, you know, possibly with room acquire them? You know, it, possibly. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's a little bit of a more of a, of a, of a wait and see approach with them. Draft-wise, and this is just like a question more about the the protocols of, a, of an assistant or a GM. Um, like, how how soon do you start charting these players? Like, first specifically, like Karis Levert or anyone like you would draft. Like, how, how early on is their name going to hit the dry erase board as someone to be watching? Like, in in any of these situations. Well, you do it when you when you have your meetings in October with your personnel department. You know, Karras is a little bit different because he had been out for such a long time, and then he, you know, he finally came back. So, and it wasn't like he was, um, it wasn't like he, you know, he's a Chris McCall and he's down in a, in a D league right. playing. There, there really wasn't an an open book on on Karras, and and he had gone, you know, at, at Michigan he had been injured a, a bunch there too. So the a little bit of a limited body of work, especially his senior year. But when you're when you're meeting with your group, if it's your personnel department or your scouts and your general manager, 
Um, you're usually your director of scouting is kind of put, putting together a list of players as far as, uh, as who to watch. Um, you know, when you, you get going in, in the preseason and you get going in um, November when you get go go out and watch games. And then from there on, you're meeting and you're having conference calls. You're meeting in person. You're kind of going line by line through through each through each roster here. But Karras kind of came onto the uh, he came onto the market, you know, real late here, um, just be, just based on that, that foot injury. But he's been really good. I, I like him a lot. I yeah. love his length. Um, I, he's a competitor. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder there. Um, so I did want to ask you more about general questions. I think it's, um, most fans know the team's general manager and that's, or however we want to phrase that title. And they basically don't know anyone else in personnel department. Um, how just this basic, but how many people are involved with personnel and scouting with an NBA team? I mean, these are billion, I think Forbes came out. Something like half the league, each half the teams in the league are worth a billion dollars. But I think most people would probably be surprised about how many people are actually involved with personnel and scouting. When you were at the Nets, you know what was the rough number of guys who were with scouting and personnel department overall? Well, we had a smaller group. I mean, I look at where teams are now. Um, you know, I'm two years removed from from being in in Brooklyn, and I look at and I've spent some time with some other teams here, just kind of seeing how they put together. Um, you know, their, their personnel department and, um, you know, every team has a little bit of a different structure, structure, you know, in, in Brooklyn, uh, you know, when Billy was the, when, when he was the GM, you know, we, there was two of us as far as, uh, assistant GMs for myself and, and Frank Zarin, Frank was more personnel and I was more, you know, administrative from, from a salary cap standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, we, you know, then you have, you know, your analytics guys, you've got, um, your scouts, you've got pro scouts, you've got college scouts. Now you're starting to see a lot of uh, teams go to more of an emphasis on from a pro to pro personnel, um, real high emphasis. You see, you've seen Detroit really beef up their 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 staff in the in the past. Uh, we mentioned the analytics, um, your sports medicine group, your training staff, um, your off court player development. Now with everyone having a D league team too. That's that's added, you know, a, a different a different layer there. So, you know, there are some teams that can go 25, 30 deep, you know, including your coaches. There, there's more that maybe can even go, you know, you know, 35 uh, plus plus people. Um, and another thing I've always wondered about. So we had a trade rumor come out recently. It was involving the Pelicans and Brooke Lopez. And, you know, almost immediately we. Anyone that watches the NBA know that it came from the Pelican side. It was it was it was it was something like the 2018 first round pick, and then like some rotational guards, and then I think Ashik's contract was in it. Yeah, I think it was like Etwan Moore and Ty- was it Tyreek Evans and like Tyreek Ev- yeah, yeah. Like Tyreek Evans, Frazier, I think is the guys. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. anyway, so what's the motivation for a team a personnel department let's 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 say that the pelicans put that out what would be their motivation for telling a reporter hey we're talking about this what's what's the thinking behind leaking information well uh, you know i guess you'd want to maybe start some type of bidding war for that and, and let it be known that the player is available out there and basically this is what the deal on the table is i think I think when you look at it, and it's interesting, I think we can probably even talk about the Philly situation down there with Okafor, okay? Right. And here's a player, and I, I had never seen this happen before, what, what happened the, the last week, where they basically held them, him out of games because he was being talked about 
in discussion for uh, a trade. It's it's a lot different than you have a framework of an agreement in place, and or you have a handshake agreement, and you hold that player out that night. Where here, it basically lingered for about a, I think it was about a week here, and you head into the All Star break without a deal, um, and who knows if they'll, if they'll be able to get one um, by, by the deadline here. So I think there, you know, that almost started to create a, you know. A bidding war. I don't know if there was actually any bidders to it. <laughs> <laughs> a bidding war without bidders, right? That's, that's another. Uh, that's another story and everything. But um, but I think when teams put information out there, it usually comes from one. It, it's it's and it's usually never. It's never really from the teams. Um, it, it, a lot of it's secondhand information. It could come from an agent um, or um, you know another team that you've maybe um, you know team A who's not even involved, but. In the course of a conversation with, um, let's say, Sean Marks, um, it might have come up, and that that team, even though they have no no business of what you know the deal is going on, maybe have would have told somebody else, and it gets to you know a, a writer, and, it, and that's how it sometimes gets out. Uh, so just getting, getting back to the emails, uh, this is from a guy named Jose, aka GNYR. Um, so he wants to know, uh, now that there's a chance, then that's, he asked me a lot of questions on Twitter, I think. Uh, yeah. Very active. <laughs> yeah. He's one of our biggest, he, he, he asks us a lot of things yeah. at all hours of the day. Shout out to your boy. Um, so at least in terms of taking on salary to reach the salary floor. Uh, so, w- uh, so we know that Festus Azili, uh, name has been out there and I think everyone's kind of like, that's, that's kind of the ideal situation for for all parties involved do you know do you think there are any other names or teams that are kind of in this shedding payroll uh state of mind that they'd be willing to to do similar deals for even just second round picks things like that well it's interesting because there are not that many tax teams yeah uh this year i mean you basically have uh cleveland who is not going to shed salary they're looking to possibly add uh you've got the clips um, I don't see them doing anything because they're they're pretty top heavy. They got a, about five or six minimums. Portland's about four hundred and fifty thousand, um, you know, under uh, under the tax and stuff. So mm-hmm. if it's going to be a team that's shedding money, it's going to be a team that's involved in a trade that needs to create a roster spot. So I think that's where you're going to possibly have to take advantage of, um, you know, a, a team. Azili is a good a good name because. Um, you know, he's got a million guarantee next year. You would hit the floor. Um, uh, you would, or I think, you'd, yeah, you'd hit the floor. You would become co- real close to the floor mm-hmm. uh, this year and basically owe him, you know, maybe a couple million, couple million dollars and in, in, in stuff. So I think that's where you're, you're going to see it. I don't think it's going to be with the teams that have um, our tax teams looking to cut money. But I think when we get to Thursday, it's going to be teams that need to move a, a, a player to create a roster spot there. I have a Boston Celtics fan friend uh, that believes that teams won't do deals with Danny Ainge because he's gotten so many good deals. They would love to think that. That's exactly uh, right. No. Is that real? Oh, oh, don't, talk, don't talk to me about Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but is that real? Like, do Is that like Masai in, with the Knicks? Like, yeah. But you know it's funny with Masai, just because I've been writing these, these you know, up, up, about all these different teams. You know, besides that Ibaka trade, you know, Masai had never made a trade deadline deal, and, and I think the only one in Toronto he had made was the Nando De Cola for Austin Day trade uh, three or four years ago. I know he did the Melo deal, in um, in uh, you know when he was in New York and in Denver with you know with the Knicks and everything, and 
Yeah, I mean, Danny's made some great trades. I mean, you know, we can talk about the Rondo one for Crowder in a first. Um, we can talk, you know, of course, the, the net one. Um, I don't the, listen to the net the, one. The, no, the, uh, yeah. the uh, whatchamacallit, the Marcus um, Thornton in a pick for yeah. Isaiah Thomas. Um, you know, it's funny, that day um, when I wrote up Phoenix, it's like you go through, you know, it's funny, you go through these teams and your GMs and you're just like, wow. Like some of the trades, you know, I mean, Ryan McDonough, as great as a drafter, he did, you know, had a bad day that day, you know, when you traded the, 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 um, that Laker pick to Philly and you traded, you know, Dragic, I know you got two first and you traded Isaiah Thomas, you know, all in one, all within a, in a matter of hours there yeah. and everything. So I, I don't know, but going back to, back to Danny, H, I, you know, teams will do a deal with him, but I think there's a little more, a little more caution on, on people's sides here. And I think uh, so. Kind of going back to this Isaiah Thomas thing, uh, I, th- I find it so interesting, especially now with Carmelo. I think a year ago, people were saying the Cavs could get Carmelo Anthony and just give up Kevin Love because at that time Kevin Love was not really loved by the Cavs fans. Um, people would have said that's a fine deal. Some people, um, Isaiah Thomas, no one really thought that was a bad deal at the time. Because I think Knight was involved and Knight was thought of more highly or had more of a future. Um, I think that's where the Nets have to succeed is the Nets have to get basically a guy who um, is not really thought of super highly right now, but that does have some talent that you hope, you know, some team just doesn't really love that much. And then he comes over to Brooklyn and just has an opportunity. I mean, they have to sort they're not going to get the next Isaiah Thomas. But that's the avenue that they have to go on. They have to get the guy who has the bad perception, I guess, at the moment, and then move well, on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's singles and doubles. You know, that's yeah. that's the mindset you have to go. And I think you know, with with Sean and the group, when you get into um, when you get into the next week here, and I think the summer kind of leaves left a little bit of a, a bad taste in you know some people's mouth. You know how. You went after Crab and, and Tyler Johnson, um, you know, in restricted free agency, and the deck was a little bit stacked, and, and then you, you strike out there. So I think if you're Brooklyn, I think you can be a little more advantage, take advantage of players that have multiple years left on their contracts. That maybe a team is looking to get um, to shed money to try to be a player, knowing that maybe that's your free agent for this this summer, and you don't have to play a you don't have to play a, a waiting game here. And I. You know, we we all everyone gets in trouble when you're trying to you know you're trying to hit and knock it out of the park and you're trying to hit home run deals. But I mean, Danny's made a bunch of singles here. Yeah. I mean, at a time we're singles. You and know, it, I mean, we like Rondo for Crowder. You know, I mean, yeah, Crowder. I liked him out of Marquette, and he was a nice second round pick. And Isaiah had was the last pick in the in the draft and had a nice career, nice run in Sacramento, and then was in um, and then was in in Phoenix, and then. And, you know, the Brandon Knight trade at the time, nobody criticized it because you guys remember that Milwaukee team that we had our hands full with them. I think we went to like double or triple overtime multiple times, and that was when Jason's first year there. I was at that I game mean, when uh, I think it was Brandon Knight that smoked the, the layup in like double well, overtime. Yeah, I mean, he was – him and Middleton were – I mean, they were a bitch, man, you know? <laughs> and and so – and they were – I mean, what was Milwaukee's record when they trade them? They were criticized big time because how could you trade your point guard? Your, and then they went on a free fall. But, 
I mean, he is he had been playing great, and then he gets to Phoenix, and you've got him and Bledsoe together. Does it fit? Does it not fit? Now he's coming off the bench. He's not as productive. He's on a big contract here and everything. So, so, but yeah, but I think when you when you get into uh, you know when you get into either the deadline or you get into the off season, that you've got to look for these under the radar type type players here. Yeah. So speaking of singles and, and doubles, uh, Sean Marks obviously targeting the restricted free agent. Uh, market quite a bit uh, the the singles and doubles um, center of the universe uh, so I, I think there's a change in the CBA specifically regarding restricted free agent process is that is that correct or is that not right yeah I mean what there's a couple of things I mean you can um, you can start signing players to an offer sheet um, um, you know starting the first of the of you know the first day of the moratorium but the actual offer sheet doesn't kick in until you know, the, the day the moratorium is lifted. So you're basically in a holding pattern there. The, the window now is uh, is reduced from three days to two days. So now it's a little bit uh, a little bit uh, harder. But, you know, restricted free agency is so hard. Yeah. It, I mean, you, you guys have seen players do not change hands or teams don't allow players to change hands. And even the ones they – the numbers are high, you, you just look at them as an asset. You know, they're uh, you sign them to a, a high number, and then eventually they're they're tradable. You know, you look at Miles Plumley in um, Milwaukee; mm-hmm. he was traded. You look at Tobias Harris a couple years ago in Orlando; he was traded. Uh, Enos Canner in Utah; he was traded. You know, teams sign these guys as an asset where you're either looking for picks or players, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's what will probably with. Um, you know, I don't know about Miami with Tyler Johnson because I know they like him down there. But I, I think if you look at Alan Crabb, that number, and that's a, that's basically right now an untradeable contract because you put that trade kicker in there. Mm-hmm. So basically, his contract's like twenty million a year, not you know uh, eighteen Jeez. million. What's a trade kicker? On on yeah, a- he's got a he's got a trade kicker in his contract too. So I think it's fifteen percent of the actual value of what's remaining. Wow. So so you take that and you spread it over the years that on a, on his on his deal. So that's a that's the next to an impossible, um, you know, um, want, want to move here and everything. So, but a restricted free agency is is um, it's tough. I think when you look at the new CBA that's coming in, it's, and then besides the, the tweak to these rules, a lot of it's going to be about retention. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. retaining your own players, and it, and it certainly gives teams an advantage. Um, I'll let you just one last thing, and this could be a one word answer. Uh, and we'll let you get out of here on this. Uh, Brooke Lopez gets traded, yes or no? I'm going to say yes. Oh wow! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes, and only because Brooks' name has been in 40 different trades <laughs> since I've known him, yeah. and I was was teasing that if we if if Sean Marks had the Philly philosophy that Brooke probably wouldn't be playing in a game all year, or if we had that philosophy when we were in um we were in Brooklyn because he had been rumored in so many different trades here and everything, but I I think I think there will be a team that steps up to the plate come come Thursday. Um, you know, gives Sean an offer that you know maybe isn't a home run, but as we as we talked about earlier, it might be a, a double, and it maybe makes sense for you know for the organization here. Let me tell you, you just made Mike's whole year day. I don't know. You just, I, I've been talking about Brook trade rumors since we started this podcast. I think I've got four no years inside ago. information, yeah. so don't. So sure, I'm, sure. Not, I'm not giving you guys. A new no, we're gonna run that headline. Don't worry. We're yeah, gonna run don't that. worry. <laughs> All right. Well, that. Thank you, Bobby, for joining us. Uh, that's you can find him on the vertical. He's got so much great stuff about, especially the inside numbers, uh, why those numbers matter in terms of salary cap. It's the best stuff out there. So really appreciate you joining us. Thanks, guys.
Thank you. Thanks, Bobby. Take care. Yep. Take care. All right. So that was Bobby Marks' interview. Brian, oh, success. Lovely. We got the Brooke Lopez yes out of him. Mike, got he, it out of I, him. Wish, I wish the listeners could see <laughs> the S-eating grin on this guy's face right now. It felt like I won the trade. Yeah. Like I, it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I did it. That was it. a personal victory for you. Because I was expecting, so when you throw that question out there, you're like, you're like yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what you're expecting, but I was, he played I was expecting ball, to man. know. He played ball. Great. Um, so thank you, Bobby, again. That was, he was very generous with his time, Yeah, and we really appreciate it. Next time we have him on, we will dig into... The Chris Humphreys wedding. I yeah. think that should be the pod. He that was the one he balked on. He was like, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about who's at the table." We'll 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 no, do that. Kidding. We'll do that. Um, Hold his feet maybe do an oral there. history <laughs> and put it on audible.com. That's, that's genius. All right. Uh find us at BK Glue Guys. Yes. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Almighty Baller Network, mm-hmm. and that's daily. You can also check out the other if you're if you like other teams somehow, you could watch you could I mean sorry, you could listen to other podcasts on Almighty Baller podcast network very nice bro i like to you know i like to pay it forward um well good night everybody thanks for listening